All right, welcome. This is episode 105 of According to Callus. And uh, hopefully you uh, have been following along. This is going to be the direct follow-up to the Idol Madness in the four-part series on idols. Again, inspired by the uh, Sunday service of my church. And um, the temptation, right? Idol temptation. What is it? that you would find tempting. Now, I kind of talked a little bit about this when discussing the madness, right? The distraction and the problems that it causes. But we're just going to back up just a little bit to talk about what is the temptation, right? So, I'm going to avoid trying to make this too personal because one, I don't think it's necessary, and two, um, like to keep a little privacy. <laughs> so, for instance, I, I talked about the idea, and, and again, I, I directly took this from the sermon, you know, somebody that's in a quest for a gold medal. And, of course, the obvious examples are the quest for success, notoriety, fame, fortune, right? All, all these things that are highly desirable in the American Western culture. Um. But we get distracted. We we uh, ignore the fact that even... Well, hold on. Let me just pause a second. I'll be right back. All right. Sorry about that. Uh, apologize for the interruption. It's just been kind of a rough allergy day. Okay. So, as I was saying, the temptation is if you will just achieve or just reach or just acquire or just get that status, right? That that'll, that that is going to make everything all right. That's going to be your fulfillment. You know, in Eastern thought, in Eastern uh, religion, if you will, they have the idea of reaching Shangri-La, right? The, the idea of paradise, the idea of um, just different states of mind, that you 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 can acquire that, and then somehow, when you reach that state, you are elevated, or you're in a better place. Really, there's no difference there. Really, it's just a different application of the same thing, right? You want to be better than those around you, or you want to have something that not everybody has. You want to be special. Right. Well, uh, while we're at it, you know, this kind of correlates with the the snowflake generation. Right. Everybody's special. Everybody's going to be their own little sweet personal thing. And, you know, we've got an entire generation of people that kind of reject the idea that nobody's perfect, that people are generally the same. That there's a reason why people use stereotypes and why uh, generalizations are, you know, a, every, part of everyday life. So by by putting this idol up, right, you're trying to break that mold. You're trying to become more, right? It's it's the idea of more. And I know I've referenced this before, but I'm just always been struck by the idea of some some enterprising person asked, you know, Mr. Rockefeller. 
before he had died, you know, Mr. Rockefeller, when are you going to have enough money or what is enough money? And his response is very telling in an idea that it's just, just a little more. So, so whether it's the gold medals, just another one, whether it's the author, just another top seller, another bestseller, another thousand, another 10,000, a movie star, a, um, just money, right? It, it, it always boils down to the status and that is in many cases an idol, but again, as pastor pointed out, it, it could be your children or it could be a person. And the temptation is, is that those that reject the Western Moors, they find something else. They, they find a person or a thing that they want to invest their time and efforts in, whether it's a husband who idolizes his wife and, and, the reverse often occurs as well, but I would think particularly in the States, there's probably more prevalence of that. I could be wrong, but, or even more so the idolization of your children or your children's success, living vicariously through your children, making your children do the things that you only wish you could do. Now, some examples of this, and this is not meant to be an indictment or pointing fingers, but some examples of this are people that spend literally tens of $20,000 per year putting their child in every sport imaginable, or if you prefer instrument playing or drama or math club or, or whatever, they invest all this time, money, and effort to make their child successful. So then the question is, are they idolizing the child, the child's success, or is it them through their children that they're now special, they're successful? Don't know. Not a psychologist. Don't care. But it's clearly comes down to this misplaced priority, right? And the temptation's there. We all love our children. I mean, those of us that are normal. We all want to see our children be successful. We all want to protect our children. We all want to set them up to be successful. And some of us do better jobs than others. And some of us can do, quote, everything right and have our children decide to do something that we would never have done or that we would prefer they didn't do. But if we've done our job right as parents, we've created little adults, and as they became adults and they exerted their authority, their independence, their autonomy, they're going to do what they want to do. And we have to embrace it to an extent that it's not dangerous or detrimental to themselves. And, you know, so again, this is a very common trope or idol in Western society is that elevate the children. And I imagine grandparents could do it with grandchildren or you know, and maybe in Eastern society, it's more common to elevate grandparents or the elders into a level of status that is maybe too high, maybe like an idol, right? The, the reverence. And I, and I don't begrudge that. I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just, again, priorities, limitations, understanding the proper place for everything, right? So the temptation is, is you want certain things as an individual or even as a family. And you make the determination that if you'll just do this, you can do this. Or if we can just acquire this, we can have this. Or if we can just 
have that. Do that. It's going to make it better. And you choose to put that on a higher plane. The temptation being that I will be at peace. Right? Success brings peace. Achievement brings peace. Conquering, if you will, brings peace. I could imagine that at one point, you know, Kublai Khan is kind of thinking, well, how am I ever going to outdo what my father did? You know, Genghis went and did all this stuff. How am I supposed to outdo that? And just as a note, I don't honestly know if that was his directly his child or not. And there's evidence to suggest maybe not, but I just go with me here. All right. Don't, don't beat me up on absolute historical accuracy. I'm not making that claim. Point being is to follow somebody who's been extremely successful at something is a challenge. Like, so for instance, you're Trump's kid. How are you going to outdo what your old man did? I mean, legitimately, there's only a couple of children that could be said to have outdone their father when they became president, right? So you got uh, John Quincy kind of maybe outdid his father, John. And then, you know, George George W., for better or for worse, maybe outdoing George H.W. I mean, he got two terms. Daddy only got one. But the idea that some of these guys that are uber successful, they lay the groundwork for their their next generation to maintain what they've done. And this plays directly into the idea of they choose different idols. So there used to be a phraseology that shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations, meaning that, you know, the first generation gets to work, builds wealth, becomes successful. Now, the second generation typically grew up in the household that was achieving that wealth and they and they build upon that or at the very least maintain it. But the grandchildren, they've never known anything but success and but wealth. And because they don't ever imagine a life without it, they choose to put something else up on that pedestal, some other desire. And they squander that wealth. They squander that family success. And it's because they chose a different idol, right? I mean, that's just the simplest answer. I mean, it's not always true all the time. Again, we're talking generalizations. We're talking about a stereotypical observation. Um, And again, it's not even meant to be an indictment on any one person or even a group of people. It's just the way things are on the grand scope of things. And if we just take a moment and think about it, what was the temptation? What were they tempted by? What caused them to break from the moral status, the the desire to be serving God, right? Now, I'm trying, I'm challenging myself to make this not a sermon, to not make this wholly based off the idea of, you know, what we as Christians believe, because there are, there are applications or implications even to a non-believer. But the problem is, and this is going to be an interesting aside, but the problem is when you unmoor morality from Christianity 
or a theological basis for it, i.e. God said so, um, it becomes meaningless. It becomes of lesser value. It becomes basically of equal value of any one man's opinion. The whole idea of postmodernism is built upon that, right? That no one idea is better than another. And if it's right for you, it's right for you. And it's right for me is something right for me and do what you want, right? This was, I, and I, it's been a long time since I've seen the movie, but this was displayed in a movie called The Time Changer. And I won't claim to you that it was a great movie or some theatrical um, experience, but it was somewhat entertaining, uh, somewhat educational, but it showed a nice juxtaposition of what happened when you separated morals from Christianity, when you separated the moral fabric of society from a God-ordained way of doing things. So even while I'm having this conversation aside over, even while I'm having this conversation, I want everybody to listen to me to understand the context of which I'm speaking of, but I'm also fully aware that, and I'm hoping that some of you don't necessarily follow Christ. Some of you are not Christians, and then you can see the value of what I'm discussing, or you can at least understand where I'm coming from, whether or not you choose to follow that for yourself. Well, that's between you and <laughs> the almighty God. I, I'm just, I'm just here to talk about it and yeah, plant the seeds, if you will. And, uh, we'll see what happens. The, the idea is back to the original case. Now there are things that are demonstrably right. There are, de- there are definite priorities that make sense and allow for posterity to be prosperous. That's the investment in your future. But even still, that temptation is there when you save and you set stuff aside. Your temptation is to drift into now the idol of security and safety. And I think it'd be fair to say that we've had a large dosage of observing that this last year. The idol of safety and security has been thrust upon us as those that have some nominal power exceeded and abused their power to maintain the aura of safety, of security. They've delivered neither, but they have trampled on your liberty. But most people went along with it willingly because that was their idol. That was their predisposed desire is to feel secure. So we will sacrifice, pay this cost of all this other liberty and opportunity so that we could just have the taste of the security, the safety that this idol offers us. That also relates to government, right? Some people do idolize government. I mean, there are plenty of federal supremacists I know that are quote unquote good conservatives, but they basically bow and give deference to anything that comes out of Congress. Well, it's a federal law. It trumps everything. Oh, well, SCOTUS, well, don't even get me started on the courts, but here we go. SCOTUS ruled that this is the way it should be. Well, 
Actually, Mr. Federal Supremacist, that's not the way it works. See, they're not idols. They're not kings. They don't rule us. The rule of law is based upon the Constitution. The Constitution is quite clear about what the federal government has authority to work on or discuss or provide uh, law on. And the Supreme Court is given the responsibility to make sure that those laws don't conflict with the written Constitution. But being that currently, and one might say for pretty much since its inception, the Supreme Court largely ignores what the written Constitution says. Indeed, the Congress itself largely ignores what the written Constitution says. And of course, the executive does largely whatever they want, regardless of the written Constitution. But these same folks who, while they may hate the thing that's occurring if they're wrong letters after their name, they immediately bow because of the air of authority, the supremacy clause, the the idol that is the federal government, the the idol that is national security, the idol that is the war on drugs, the idol that is the war on terror, the idol that is whatever it is the state comes up with next. Talk about misplaced priorities. If we were to just focus on what's going on in our family, in our mm, local communities, we wouldn't need to be so threatened, so frightened. We wouldn't have such an unnatural desire to be ruled. We wouldn't have that idol if we would just stay focused on what's important, what's in front of us. So, yes, there are many idols. And the temptation's there. And almost always, the temptation comes down to, for people of my persuasion, right? The right of center, the quote-unquote conservative, liberty-based people. The temptation's there. Well, if we could just get this court to side with us. If we could just get the Congress to pass some law. If we could just get an executive order, we'd fix everything. No, that's not how it works. That's not how it's designed. That is not the appropriate authority. You are placing your faith in something that will almost always let you down. It's frustrating, I know. And that's just, in my world, the biggest idol that I observe, people that I largely agree with, that they have in their life. I mean, there are those that have money. There are those that have success. There are those that have some sort of achievement. There are those that have their children, or sometimes maybe even their grandchildren, uh, or, or grandparents, for that matter. There are those that, you know, have various many things. For me personally, my temptation is thinking that I might find solace or that I might find rest and peace in a political solution. That's my temptation. I resist it. Every once in a while, I have to kind of take a fast from some of the politics or a fast from some of the stuff I'm involved with. Indeed, after... Uh, I had a little run for office there. I, I took about two months off. I just said I, I need a break. The answers are not in politics. I know this. But sometimes, 
sometimes I just get that temptation, the, the little thought in the back of my head. Well, if we can just make this happen, we can fix it. If we can just pull this off, it'll make things better. I know. I mean, there's the whole cult of personality, right? And I think that'll probably be the uh, the next uh, topic, if you will. The, the next episode will be uh, idle as a personality, right? When you idolize a person. So we're, we're taking it from a thing or an idea, right? The temptation of that. But then we're going to talk about the problems and the applications of when you put your trust in your faith in the individual that is really generally not worthy of that trust, faith, and admiration. That will be part three. Well, friends, I'm going to call it short tonight. This is part two, episode 105 of According to Callus. And I uh, thank you for listening in. I thank you for giving me the time of your day, the... uh, investment, if you will, of uh, your day. I appreciate any feedback that I might get. I appreciate the fact that you may share or like it. Um, the podcast is a, uh, a labor of love at this point, and I guess I should make a correction. This is actually episode 106, episode 106, so I know I've now said it Two or three times, that was episode 105, but it is indeed 106. So, I will see you on Thursday with number 107. And we'll just call it the American Idol. Thank you. Good night.